Welcome to the Canadian SME Podcast, a podcast for Canadian small businesses. We interview Canadian experts and entrepreneurs to provide expert insight into marketing, innovation, business leadership, technology, and trends that impact small business. Our mission is to empower Canadian small and medium enterprise to help you grow your business. Rural communities in Canada were disproportionately affected by the pandemic. Relief efforts cost the government hundreds of millions of dollars, whereby extra support and supplies were flown in. This signals the need for clear social infrastructure plans and strategies, including digital access and literacy to ensure telehealth success. Hi everyone, this is Mahim from Canadian SME Small Business Magazine. We recently got the chance to chat with Karima Essabar, Chair of the Health and Biosciences Economic Strategy Table, a highly recognized Canadian life sciences leader with broad international experience, Karima Sever has had a successful career spanning global pharmaceutical and biotechnological industries, startups, non-for-profit organizations, and venture investment firms. In this podcast, Karima discussed steps and policies that need to be addressed in order to further propel Canada to lead in the sector. This includes vaccine research and development, commercialization of key technologies, and adopting innovative methods and techniques, and what can we do to receive targeted investments across the sector. Hi, Karima. On behalf of Canadian SME, I'd like to welcome you to our small business podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well as well, thank you. Now, Karima, you wrote an op-ed uh, on steps and policies that need to be addressed in order to you know, further propel Canada to lead uh, in the sector, which included uh, vaccine research and development, commercialization of key technologies, and adopting like innovative methods and techniques. Now, this op-ed was also inspired by the recommendations in recent uh, Industry Strategy Council report, which you're also a member of. Now, being a chair of the Health and Biosciences Economic Strategy Table, uh, what are the steps and policies that need to be addressed in order to further propel Canada to lead in the sector? Well, thank you for that question. Um, and um, so for both the Health Biosciences Economic Strategy Table and for some of the work that we've done more recently in the Industry Strategy Council, I think the important things that have come out is that uh, you know, to create an environment in Canada that's going to leverage our strengths uh, and, and encourage domestic commercialization uh, and greater manufacturing and participation in the global supply chains and support the health and economic resilience is where the focus should be. And so, you know, in the HMS report, the Health Bioscience Economic Strategy Table report, the main areas that we tackled um, are really around strengthening the ecosystem. Not the entire ecosystem is strong in Canada. We're very good in certain areas in that early stage of the ecosystem where we have great um, universities and uh, research institutes. So we have a wonderful watering hole for a pipeline of discovery and innovation. We have great entrepreneurs. We have some wonderful programs uh, like SHRED and IRAP that initially, you know, uh, enable these companies with non-diluted funding. Um, and, uh, and we have, you know, wonderful entrepreneurs. But what we are not able to do well uh, is scale up and anchor companies in Canada and then realize their potential here, right? And realize the economic, the true economic benefit. And frankly, the health benefit as well, because it, you, when you adopt these 
new treatments uh, that are um, you know evidence-based and that are are value-driven, uh, you you get better patient outcomes as well. So um, I think the main areas, and I'll only highlight uh, these areas, are first of all the area around uh, health procurement and sourcing strategies. We need to be more strategic and we need to have value-based procurement uh, approaches. We need to be able to collaborate between provinces and territories and the federal government to adopt this kind of a value-based procurement strategy because health sits with the provinces, but some of the funding comes from the federal government. So, you know, it's a federal, provincial, territorial thing. We need to streamline regulatory processes, have agility in our regulations. It's really been challenging, I think, for um, you know foreign investors uh, and and also for MEs, multinational uh, enterprises, who are very important in this ecosystem, to um, function in Canada because we have so many levels of entry. It's very fragmented. You know, we have um, uh, uh, regulations at the federal level, then they get approval, then they need to get approval at the provincial level. We need to find a streamlined approach that's a single entry point uh, like uh, like other countries do that's facilitating and enabling um, regulations should not be seen uh, as as a as a barrier and a risk mitigator only regulations should be enablers to innovation too mm-hmm. then we've talked about promoting domestic and international private sector investment both in biotech and medtech and the new converging technologies and companies that are emerging where there is biotech and, 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 and high-tech together. Uh, we need to be able to get, you know, investments. And so we have to create a business environment and that's an appropriate tax regime as well as modernize some of the wonderful programs that, uh, frankly, the federal government and some of the provincial governments also have in place, but have not updated them to modernize them to be relevant today. Okay, so we need to do that. We need to target investments uh, to build world-leading infrastructure. Infrastructure is not just about physical infrastructure, roads and bridges and buildings. Um, You know, for us, innovation infrastructure is really important, for example. And uh, digital infrastructure is really critical for the country if we want to uh, take advantage of the digital, uh, our digital health strategy and big data. And then finally, uh, build a knowledge intensive sector that fosters a future orientated skill development and delivers world class uh, talent. This is really critical because we have to upskill people, uh, we have to constantly be reskilling, and we have to have that systematized between universities and other post-secondary institutions and industry. So these were some of the areas, uh, high level, that we we talked about. No, really, uh, you know, you're right when you said that, you know, Canada has like several levels of government with each, uh, with its own elected representatives and areas of responsibilities. Now, according to you, what is the need for all levels of government to really work together? Why should all levels of government work together? Oh, my goodness. So the first one is what I mentioned earlier to you, which is regulatory reform, you know, and regulatory agility. We need to have a modernized regulatory system that's not multi-level. So I think there should be 
a cohesion and alignment between the federal government, the provinces, and the territories, so that there's a smooth entry. Once you know an approval happens, you know companies don't have to go through three levels of approval. This is this is you know one of the areas, but there are several areas, including adoption of innovation. You know, you can't call yourself an innovative country if you're just generating innovations that other countries are going to adopt. When you are a late adopter, you're not an early adopter of your own innovations. And this is the case through Canada over and over and over. You know that we are not the first adopters of our own innovation. So create, uh, you know, an environment together between the provinces and, and the federal government where we can have early adoption. You know, perhaps we can have sandboxes uh, where there, you know, the, these are demonstration sites where adoption happens and then it's rolled out throughout the country. And there are many recommendations and suggestions in the HBEST report about how and what we could do. But this is really critical. I would say that, uh, you know, regulatory barriers have came up over and over and over uh, in our table discussions, not only for health biosciences, but many of the other sectors as well. Right. Now, you also touched base on the funding. Now, what can we do to receive targeted investments across the sector? Well, we want to attract, uh, you know, international investors and we want to attract uh, MNEs, the multinationals to come and, you know, do their research and development and, um, um, you know, build uh, the next generation of innovative therapies here. Right. And the, you know, an example is a company like Sanofi Pasteur that's doing it, which, you know, way back when uh, was, uh, for, you know, uh, Pernod Laboratories was Canada, one of Canada's largest bioscience companies. And we were one of the largest manufacturers of vaccines in the world, uh, number two at one time. Then we got acquired uh, and we became a French company, but they, they stayed in Canada because of the, the excellence, the, the expertise and the talent. Well, we, we want more of those. We want more companies to be headquartered in Canada. We want more companies to have their innovation uh, centers in, in Canada. If you want that, to attract that, we have to have an enabling environment that is friendly to investors. And that includes, you know, a appropriate tax regime, modernized programs that are attractive like our IRAP and, and SHRED programs that they can also take advantage of um, we want to ensure that our SMEs, uh, you know, have uh, collaborations and can collaborate with these multinational companies and can grow into their own multinational companies. But you need to have an entire ecosystem in order to do that. You, you, you can't just have startup companies. You have to have anchored companies and then you have to have the multinationals. Now, to scale up our companies uh, and to anchor them, we need to have both Canadian investment, but we need to have foreign investment as well. And um, we, we need to be able to have, you know, uh, funds, you know, later stage venture and private equity capital funds, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, that we uh, can match and, and attract the foreign funds as well. So this is something we have talking to governments about, for example, our pension funds. We have, you know, OMERS and Caisse Depot and all of the pension funds. All of them have venture arms and private equity investment, and they're investing all over the world. We should have a Canadian fund 
that supports the Canadian technologies. And we need a later stage one. Absolutely. Now, specifically in Canada, to what extent do we need advanced high-value biomanufacturing and clinical trial networks? So, you know, manufacturing has always been an economic driver for Canada, in, in Canada, and an enabler. But advanced manufacturing yields a substantial multiplier uh, effect throughout the Canadian economy, you know, because it creates those high-paying jobs it's where you have innovation, creativity, you're creating the value add, you have you know, enormous IP generation. Um, and manufacturing, uh, uh, advanced manufacturing adds value uh, for key sectors such as our sector, health and biosciences, but also others, transforming ideas, inputs, or raw materials into new and improved products. So you know, it's, it's where we can define ourselves and it's what we're really good at is innovation, is discovery. Uh, Canada is very good at that. But we should um, take that and build companies and have advanced manufacturing here, not have it exported and, and have it happen in other jurisdictions so that we can benefit from the economic uh, impact of that. Absolutely. Now, Karima, share with us, how does the investment and regulation climate in Canada compare with other countries such as the UK? Well, you know, um, there is much more um, uh, investment uh, coming into countries like UK. When you look at, you know, if you look at a recent report um, from the UK, I think it was a 2020 report, you'll see that, you know, when you're looking at you know, the top 1% of the best citations in science, for example, in the world, Canada ranks very high. We're number three or four, top up there with Germany and UK and, and US. But when you look at um, the commercialization economic output at the end we, and productivity, we, we're much lower down amongst those OECD countries. And this, you know, that's, that appeared also in the OECD report. And the um, reason for that is I think that we need a, an industrial strategy. And we have been talking about this at the Industry Strategy Council. It was very much, it was unanimous from all the nine sectors that we need an industrial strategy. Uh, you can't just ad hoc develop things. If you think about our aerospace sector, you know, that didn't just happen by fluke. There was a conscious, intentional strategy to develop that. In a similar way, we think that we need an industrial strategy, or maybe a 10-year strategy, as most countries have, 10 or 20-year strategies, and uh, with a clear focus of where you want to be at the end of that 10 years, and which are the sectors that are high potential sectors that are uh, where our strength is. We should invest in our strength in these high potential sectors and that will enable us to build the right kind of infrastructure, have the right kind of programs, and create the right kind of business environment to attract then private sector, foreign investors, as well as Canadian investors to it. And this is really missing. We need a targeted industrial strategy that says, here are our sectors of high potential strength. These are the five sectors we're going to invest in. And health bioscience is clearly one of those sectors. Um, and then, you know, consistently invest in them, not just sporadically and in an ad hoc way. Now, in you know, fairness to our federal government, 
I have to say that, you know, the recently the big investments that were made, uh, you know, to our strengths, where we have strengths. So where do we have strengths in, uh, in, in biologics, in antibody development, in AI, you know, in genomics, uh, and in, in and a most important area is in the digitization. And we want to digitize the entire, you know, health sector. So government has started to invest in that. And the recent announcements, you saw the announcement yesterday uh, for Sanofi Pasteur, you know, uh, uh, almost a billion dollar project of which 400 and plus comes from government. We've invested, you know, in BC, we've had several companies um, like uh, Abcelera that has received uh, uh, funding and that went IPO, one of the largest Canadian IPOs uh, in, in Canadian history for a medical uh, company, uh, investment in Medicago, uh, in, in um, Quebec, uh, lots of, of, you know, targeted investments around advanced manufacturing uh, and, and more strategic. But what we want to see is a, a systematic uh, uh, strategy uh, and strategic plan to invest in the entire ecosystem strongly. So you, you can't just invest, you know, in late stage and not in early stage. And you can't not invest in the fundamental basic creative research in universities. It's the entire ecosystem you have. we have to support. The outcome of that will be, you know, phenomenal uh, uh, impact on the economy and, and a bioeconomy that will help drive Canada. Absolutely. Now, talking about the bioeconomy in Canada, what is your key advice to women entrepreneurs who are really struggling during these uh, challenging times in this field? You know, I like to think that women entrepreneurs are, going to, are sturdier because we're just used to struggling. And, you know, frankly, you know, um, the narrative has changed today. You know, history has, has a habit of, you know, not remembering and erasing uh, contributions by women. Well, I think that, you know, they have propelled others in all sectors and, and I don't see that happening anymore. I think that people recognize, you know, the tremendous talent and, and, and role that women play. And I would say, you know, whether you're trying to find your voice or struggling from a do-it-all mindset, because, you know, we women tend to do that, you know, I would suggest that we keep moving forward and appreciate all of the accomplishments we've made and celebrate those accomplishments. And I'd like to see Canada celebrate the accomplishments of, of women in, in, in the life sciences with us. Um, there are going to be hard days ahead for whether we're men or women leaders, it doesn't matter. There are going to be challenges, but we are full of grit and passion. Uh, you know, women are, are very persevering. And now is the time for us to unleash the best of what women's resilience and creative has, has to, creativity has to offer. And I think we can, you know, support the entire community. Uh, we have, uh, you know, so much to bring uh, to uh, this sector. And there's so many women in STEM that are uh, not just on the bench, but now starting to get into leadership roles. Uh, this is the time to celebrate that and encourage them. I 100% agree with you, Karima. But thank you so much for sharing such useful insights from your OPED. I'm sure our audience will be interested in learning more about Canada's life sciences and biotech sector and how it can really benefit for further growth, especially during the current public health climate. But thank you so much for joining us, Karima.
my pleasure and I look forward to the day when everyone's wearing t-shirts with, you know, we are a life science, a bioscience country. <laughs> Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Canadian SME podcast. Please visit canadiansme.ca to subscribe and join us next week as we share more expert advice from Canadian business leaders. Music